welcome back to our High Five, where we're gonna celebrate five awesome things that are happening in the life of our church. So let's jump into it. Up at number five, recently our Concord and Franklin Outposts partnered with local organizations to gift children with a variety of art supplies and games. We recently heard back from these partners who told us that these gifts are being put to great use already. That's great news. Way to share God's love with your community, Concord. In at number four, our relief team from One Church just returned from Fort Myers, Florida, where they helped homeowners impacted by Hurricane Ian. They spent time working on homes and blessing the community with gift cards and Bibles. We're happy to report that five homeowners accepted Christ as their savior last week. Huge high five to you guys, to the most people in the kingdom in the shortest time. Here at number three, Recently, our Concord Outpost partnered with The Friendly Kitchen. Together, they donated 900 hand warmers to our under-resourced friends in need during these winter months. This high five goes out to you, Concord, to sharing God's love like this. In at number two, Landon has been attending our Manchester Outpost on Sunday mornings, and this past Sunday, he found himself ready to respond to what God was calling him to do and be baptized. Landon claims the truth that his identity is in Christ, and we're all celebrating that with him today. High five, Landon. And finally, up at number one, we're celebrating Ray and what God is doing in his life. Ray was baptized at our Bedford Outpost last week, and it was a beautiful celebration of his faith in Jesus. Way to go, Ray. This high five goes out to you today. Thanks for joining us for our high five, and I can't wait to celebrate with you in the next one. I just need to say something up top. I love to hear you all sing. Amen. Like to, to be here and just to hear voices ringing out in Franklin. It's just awesome to me. It blessed my heart to, to get to hear it. Um, we all pray with me. Father God, you are worthy of our worship, and so Lord, we praise you. Lord, I thank you for everyone here and for what you're doing in their lives, for what you're doing in our lives. And Lord, I pray that, that in these moments that you might speak directly to us, Lord, that, that whatever's in the way, Lord, that we might be able to hear from you. Lord, for ways in which you, you're, you're calling us uh, to invest in the life of others, Lord, give us eyes to see that and ears to hear that. Lord, show us, show us truly who you want us to show your love to so that we can step into that. In your name we pray, amen. So we will often work on sermon series together, and in the fall, we'll like gather a lot of the preachers around, and more, more than just the preachers gathered around, and we'll kind of pitch ideas of things that, you know, that are stirring our hearts, things that we should talk about maybe as a church over the upcoming year. And uh, my brother, Jason, who, who serves at the, uh, the Bedford Outpost, like it was his turn, and he was like excited. You can see he's, he's like holding back, and like he's like, and he shouts out, rodeo clowns! And we're like, okay, well, what are we, what are you talking about? He's like, rodeo clowns. Like that was his, that's his idea. And like, okay, Jay. He's like, no, he's like, we don't understand what you're talking. Rodeo clowns. And we're like, we can, uh, we hear the words that you are saying. We're not exactly sure what you're talking about as rodeo clowns. He's like, my idea is let's do something about rodeo clowns. You know, rodeo, that's how he talks, by the way. He doesn't really finish sentences. There's ideas going on in his head. And he's like, you know, rodeo clowns. And we're like, Jay, help us to figure out what he means. He says, you know how, like a rodeo clown, if you've, if you've ever been to rodeo, and I know where we are. I know we're in New Hampshire, so I don't know if any of you, any of you, any of you ever been to a rodeo? Ah, 
All right, we got some rodeo people. So, so the, you would often think that the, the central character of the rodeo is the bull rider who's like getting on the bull and, you know, the gates are, it's okay, boys, okay, boys. I've seen, I've seen eight seconds. Lane, Lane Frost. Okay, boys, okay, boys. And the gate pops open. The, 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 the cowboy's trying to stay on top of the bull for eight seconds. And if he can make it, he gets ranked and scored and all of this stuff. Um, but then, so, so he can kind of be the central figure. But if the cowboy falls, falls off, there's this other character who steps into the scene, who like takes the, the anger of the bull directed at the cowboy or directed at the bull rider, and he like distracts it and brings, brings, brings the bull's attention away from them. And, and so Jay's like, you know, there's a lot of scripture, there's a lot of people in scripture who aren't the bull riders. There's a lot of people in scripture who aren't like the center stage. The spotlight isn't on them. It's not, they're not the focus. There's a lot of peripheral characters. And he's like, let's talk about some of them. Some of those names that you may not, you might know the name, but you may not really understand. They didn't make a big, they didn't make a big splash, I suppose we might say, in the scheme of biblical history. Um, and so let's talk about them. You know, so often we, we wonder, like, okay, what's my role in this world? And we often don't feel like, okay, in the midst of, like, Franklin, New Hampshire, like, who am I? Like, what difference can we make? And what I love about God and what I love about his story is, like, no, each and every, each and every one of us have this, this very important role to play. And, and, and we can sometimes feel like peripheral characters, but peripheral characters matter in the scheme of God's people. And so let's talk about it. And so today we're talking about Aaron. Anyone know who Aaron is? Aaron is Moses' older brother. I didn't even know. That's how much I knew about Aaron. I, didn't, I, I knew Moses had a brother. I knew Aaron was Moses' brother. I didn't realize it's his older brother. It's his three-year-old, his brother's three, year older, three years older than him. And he kind of steps into the scene of Moses' life um, to help him. I thought about that in terms of the church. It's like we can get caught. I, I can get caught up in my own little world and you can get caught up in your own little world and see yourself as the central character because it's hard not to see our lives that way. And everybody around us is like living their own movie where they're the central character and so we're all walking around thinking it's all about us when in reality it's like, okay, God, give me eyes to see the people around me and help me to say, how do you want me to help others? God, how do you want to use my life? How, how do you want me to be Aaron in the midst of, of that? Or who am I being called to be Aaron to? Um, so our memory verse comes from Proverbs 17, verse 17, which is it's a, it's a really neat verse. I'm going to read it and then we can read it together. Um, but this is what it says. A friend loves at all times. A friend loves at all times. So if you're someone's friend or a friend comes to mind, your, your, your friend is going to make mistakes all, all along the way, but a friend loves at all times. And it goes on to say this, and a brother is born for a time of, of adversity. We all say that with me. A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for a time of adversity. God puts people in our lives. God puts people in our lives at moments of difficult times for moments where we're facing adversity and he gives us brothers and sisters come alongside us. And maybe you've had that. My prayer is that in your life you've had that, a brother or sister who comes along in a time of adversity. And I gotta, I gotta confess, I gotta be honest, when, I, when often I, I read that verse, it's not there anymore, when often I read that verse, I hear it of, God, I thank you for the people that you provided in my life. I thank you for the brothers or the sisters that you provided in my life. And that's okay. It's okay to read it that way and, and that perhaps is what it means. But I don't always read it of, John, you be a friend to those who find themselves in times of need. John, you be a brother 
to the one who's going through times of adversity. You see, I, I often read it as of like, I'm the one who is in need of support, not always of, I'm called to be the support of something else. That's why the Aaron principle is like, okay, there's something here, God. God, how, how who do you want me to see in my life so that I can step in and help them with whatever that they might be going through? Because here's the truth. No one does anything great alone. No one does anything great alone. It's like, we need each other. And that's one thing that's maybe hard for us to grasp is like, no, we need each other and we need to be there for other people. And so the story of Moses is kind of cool. Moses is, we, we often don't see like the failure side of Moses because we see him as the hero. But if you look at the early part of Moses' life, like first off, like if you don't know some of the story, you got to go read through the book of Exodus and it'll get you a lot of the backstory. Um, but he was raised in Egypt, but he sees some, but he's raised in Egypt, but he was an Israelite. And he happens one day to see um, someone mistreating the Israelites, and he ends up killing him. And then someone knows, has been watching it, and, and so now he's scared for his life. He's scared of what's going to happen to him, so he runs away into the wilderness. Like, maybe he thought, like, he's the prince of Egypt, was, if you've seen the Disney movie, he's like the prince of Egypt. And he grew, grew up in the, in the, I was about to say castle, but in the palace of, palace of the Pharaoh... And maybe he's like, as an Israelite, okay, my time is coming and here it is. But what happens is after he kills the guy, he like has to go into the wilderness for 40 years. Like he's, he's gone and, and he gets married perhaps. He's married and maybe he has some kids, but most of his job is watching sheep. And you think about that in terms, I think about that in terms of my own life is like sometimes you like you have this picture of who you're going to be and it all kind of can fall apart sometimes. And you're like, oh, have you ever, has that ever happened to your story? And so Moses is taking care of sheep and all of a sudden as he's taking care of sheep, he comes to a bush that's burning and it draws his attention. And you notice as he's staring at this burning bush, it's, it's, it's burning, but it's not being consumed. And I don't know about you, but that would draw my attention. Like that, that's going to suck me in. It's like there is a bush on fire, but it is not burning up. And so, so he draws near because that's what we do to fire. We draw near to fire. It's hard not to draw near to fire. I don't care who you are. It's hard not to be near fire. And so he draws near to fire and he starts to hear a voice. A voice coming from the bush that's on fire, that's not being consumed. And, and it's saying, Moses, Moses, and 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 and. and He's like, who are you? He doesn't even know who he's talking to at that moment. Who are you? And he says, I, I am God. I am, I'm, I'm the God of Israel. And, and, and I've seen the oppression that my people have been going through in, in Egypt. And, and I'm going to do something about it. And he says, first he says, take off your sandals because where you're standing, it's holy ground. And so Moses takes off his sandals. And, and then God says, this, God says this thing to Moses. He says, I want to send you to Pharaoh. And I want you to tell him, let my people go. And I was thinking about this this week. I was thinking about that calling. And I was thinking about how I've heard the story of Moses and I have certainly um, undersold or underthought about what this might mean. I thought about like in modern times, imagine if God, if you come across a burning bush, I don't know, and, 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 he's, and you hear the voice of God and you're like, am I crazy or am I not crazy? And I'm sure Moses was going through some of this too. And God says to you, he says, I want you to get on a plane and I want you to go to this foreign nation. And I want you to tell that foreign nation's leader to, to, to whatever people he might be oppressing to stop because God has told you so. Imagine that he actually said that to you right now. And you're like, how would I respond to that? And I think you would respond the way Moses responds. Like, this is a big task. From watching my kids and some sheep to delivering a million to two million people outside of slavery from the superpower of the world. That's what you're calling me to? And what's your response? Your response is, that is too big for me. And maybe there's this area in your life where 
you felt this huge calling of God. And sometimes I think we get lost in the... Probably most of us will not get that huge calling of God of millions of people, but that doesn't mean our calling is not great. And I'm guessing is there's areas in your life where God is calling you to step out in faith because I, I often think that if we're following God, he's always going to call us into areas that are, are going to make us uncomfortable. Like he, areas that unless he is in it, and maybe this is, maybe you feel this like in, in your life and you can fill it in. Like if you go to school, you're like, okay, what does it look like to be a follower of Jesus in my school? This, this could be big. This, is, this could be scary. Like to, to speak for Jesus or, or at your work. Like what would this look like at my work to, to, to be a living, embodying person, like showing, showing Jesus to people around you. And so I do think we all have a calling, and, and it may not be the, the Moses-type calling, but it still can be great, and it still can be intimidating. And so Moses is feeling that intimidation. He's like, I'm not sure that I can do this. And he starts to give reasons why. And so we're in Exodus chapter 4, and Moses will s say all of these reasons why he can't do it. And I guess here's what I would like to speak to all of us tonight, my life, my, myself included, is that I'm convinced of this, that God is calling you to something. That God has a calling upon your life, and it's probably something that scares you. It's probably, in some ways, it's a relationship or forgiveness that needs to be given or forgiveness that needs to be had. Or it's a, a person that God has set upon your heart, and he's saying, I, I want you to be my vessel to them. I want you to speak to them. Maybe it's a place to serve within the church. And you're like, I don't want to do that. I'm a little bit scared of that. And I'm not sure. Whatever it is, I know usually when it's of God, it's of this challenging call. And what happens is we have these anti-resumes before God. And our anti-resumes are like this. No, God, I can't do this because I'm too old. Or I can't do this because I'm too young. Or I can't do this because I don't know how to talk. I can't do this because I don't know how to think. Any of you have an anti-resume before God? You're like, you're like, God, I can't do this, and here's why. These are all the reasons why he can't do it. And so Moses is in this moment when God's calling him into something, and this is what, this is what happens. Look at this chapter 4. Moses said to the Lord, pardon your servant, Lord. I have never been eloquent. How many of you have felt like you have never been eloquent? I don't know how to say the words. I don't know how to speak. I don't know how to do it. And so Moses is like, he's like, he's like the first of us. He's like, I can't do this, God, because I don't even know how to speak. I've never been eloquent in the past, nor since you've spoken to your servant, I am slow of speech and tongue. Now here's what's something interesting. Some people believe that Moses actually stuttered. He, he says, I was of thick tongue. And I don't know what that means. I just may not be easy to talk with a thick tongue. And, and so you're like, the man called to be a voice piece to Pharaoh is a guy who can't speak? What kind of joke is this, God? What, what are you thinking, God? And so that's what he says. He says, have you ever said that to God? God, what are you thinking? Me? God, don't you know what a mess I am? Don't you know? Like, I don't know how to... Anyways, um, the Lord said to him, and I love what God says to him in verse 11 because there is some way in which God is saying this to you tonight. Something that God is calling you into and yet something he wants you to hear tonight. He says, he says, the Lord said to him, who gave human beings their mouths? Who makes human beings deaf or mute? Who gives them sight or makes them blind? Isn't it me? How many times have I come before God with all of my deficits, with all of the reasons why something can't happen, and all of a sudden God says, oh really? Oh really? You think you can stand in the way of the one who made and created all things? You think you are somehow a hindrance to what I've called you to? Now go. I will help you speak. I will teach you what to say. But Moses, about how many times? But John, 
but you. You said to God, pardon, pardon your servant, Lord. Just send someone else. Someone else can do it. Someone else, someone else can, can, can make an impact on Franklin. Someone else can work in my school. Someone else, God, send someone else because I don't have it. I, can't, I don't got it. Like, like, send someone else. And it says that the Lord's anger burned against him, uh, against Moses. But he said to him this. What about your brother Aaron? Aaron the Levite, I know that he can speak well. And this is what I love about God. Watch this. He says he's already on his way. He's already on his way to meet you and he will be glad to see you. God calls people into big things. And sometimes those big things are not the, the big things by Moses' estimations, but sometimes they're things that are, are scary. And we don't know. We don't know what to do about it, and so we bring him all our reasons. But I realize that I've been talking about the Moses side. But there's an Aaron side. You see, what I, what I know about God is that God will always resource you with what you need to accomplish the purpose he set in front of you. And so if there's, if there's relationships that need fixed, that, that God will resource you with whatever is needed to, to help you meet that. If, if there's a calling that God has put on your life, if there's something God is wanting to do, then he will always, if he's calling you to, he will always resource you, he will always provide. And, and usually the way God provides for us, and, I, and, and you can test this, I don't know if it's, it's fully true, it's, it's what I've learned to be true, usually it's wrapped in a person. I used to have a mentor who says, whenever God gives a gift, he, wrapped it, give, he wraps it in a person. Whenever God gives a gift, he wraps it in a person. You can see that in the person of Jesus, but, but now it's through people. And God, so Moses is like, he's, I got my whole list, this is why I can't do it. And God says, that's okay, your brother Aaron, he'll come and speak. He'll come and be your voice. He's on his way and he's excited to see you. And I thought about, so often when we read this story, we put ourselves in Moses' place. But what if God is calling us to Aaron's place? What if God's saying, you know, there is someone that is in need of you. There is someone who needs your voice. There's someone who needs you to come alongside them and, and to step in. And, and, and again, we see ourselves as the, the main character in our story. And yet, maybe what God is calling us to is, God, God, who in my life do you want me to minister to? Who in my life, Lord, do you want me to be present and available to? Lord, who in my life needs encouragement? And maybe, let's just do this right now. Like, who in your life? God, bring them to mind. Like, like put names inside our minds. Who have you put us in their life? And you're like, these people need our help right now. And we will come alongside them and we will, we will be present with them and we'll be available and we'll seek to be an encouragement to them because it seems as though God brought Aaron to Moses in that circumstance. And what you notice is no one does anything great alone. We always need each other. It's the beauty of the church. The beauty of the church is we get to do, to do this together. And so here's kind of the second part is like no one, I mean everyone, needs both God and people. Everyone needs God and people. Sometimes we, we can live in this world of like, oh, I just need God. Have you ever met someone who's like, I just need God? Like, and I get that. I understand that. Yes, yes. On the, in the grand scheme of things, yes, God is all that we need. But what you'll find in the New Testament is, is God dwells in people. God, if, if you are in Jesus, God is dwelling inside you right now. And so, yes, we need God, but, but one of the greatest ways we get to see God is with, in each other. Like, if you love me as you love me, it, it, it can be God loving me through you. That's beautiful. If, as we serve one another, it can be God serving each other through us. And so, so we get to... We, we get to 
we get to see the love of God and God's love for us in the midst of people. And I was thinking about things that, this is silly, I, I just needed a break in some sense. I'm, I'm thinking about all we need is God and people. And I thought about, you know, like, so often in life we try to do things alone. Any of you loners? Any of you, you got to do it alone? My mom says, there we go. So my mom says when I was a kid, about his age, he's like, he's like my favorite, favorite phrase was, I'll do it myself. I'll do it myself. I'll do whatever it is myself. And, and like I grew up, like I'll do it myself. I'll figure it out myself. And it is still in me. That I will do it. And I know you are New Englanders. And so you shovel your own drives and you, you get your way out in the midst of ice storms. And it's like, I'll do it myself. I'll figure it out myself. And that works for a little while until you come against something that you just can't get past. And I was thinking about things like, what can't you actually do by yourself? I was, talking, I was just talking to my brother about this because I couldn't think of it myself. Have you ever tried to do a seesaw by yourself? We've all done it, right? We, you've done the seesaw by yourself. You jump up as high as you can, but then you come crashing down right away. You ever play uh, hide-and-go-seek by yourself? You were hiding for a very long time. Marco Polo doesn't make a whole lot of sense when you're in the pool. Just calling out Marco. <laughs> like, by yourself, there's things that you can't do by yourself and it's the beauty of the church the beauty of the church is that we get to do this together and so often we, we if we're not careful we can try to deal with things on our own we can try to walk through life through our own as I think about the church and as I think about Franklin like how important it is like to know each other and, and figuring out what that looks like you know we've often we often use this phrase now in church circles of like post-COVID world, like what does this all look like? I don't know what it all looks like, but I do know something. It's like we need people. We need people in our lives. We need each other. And so, so what does that look like of, of being connected with each other so we can find people who can encourage us and help us and walk through things? It's why you saw a slide up there. Uh, rooted is something that we do as a church. And 10 weeks, 10 weeks where you get together with a group of people and you go through scripture and, and that's beautiful. It's beautiful get to, to get to do that together. But if you talk to most people who go through it, the beauty is the relationships that start to develop in the midst of that. And I'm not, I'm not saying this just as a plug for Rooted. I'm, I'm saying it because I, I believe that what we need is community. And the church on some level could help orchestrate community in some sense. But at the same time, it's something that we have to like take on ourselves as well. It's like, okay, I, I need to get to know some people. I need to connect with some people. I need, I need some followers of Jesus in my life that can help me in my walk. And I will say, we all need that. I need that. You need that. We need that. And so, so what happens is the gathering on a Sunday evening becomes this place where we get to develop some of these relationships. But here's what I say. Don't stop here. Don't stop on Sunday night. Like figure out, okay, how, who do we need to have over for dinner? How do we need to develop these relationships? And I, I can promise you that as we start to, 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 to form, as Jesus starts to form the community of a group of people who are loving each other and caring for each other in Franklin, it, it will, there will be a, a great effect upon this community because I think it's what people are longing for. Am I wrong? Like you can tell me if I'm wrong. But like, I mean, I feel like it's a yee-haw instead of a woo-hoo. It's a, like a yee-haw. Like we can, anyways, yee-haw. I'll do my own darn yee-haw. Um, so Moses, you don't think you can do it? You're right. How often Moses' response, if you watch his responses in Exodus chapter 4, I, 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 I can't do this. I'm not eloquent. I don't know who I am, Lord. I can't try to figure out who you are. I, 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 I. And God says, stop thinking about you. Start thinking about me. He says, you don't think you can do it? You're right. I can do it. And so whatever it is that God is calling you to do in your life, to step into it. And sometimes that's to be the Aaron. And so this is what it goes on to say. 
It says, you shall speak to him. This is, this is God speaking to Moses, just to catch you up where we are. God says, you shall speak to him, to Aaron, and put words in his mouth, which is interesting. I will help both of you, both, both of you speak and will teach you what to do. We need both God and people. He will speak to the people for you and it will be as if he were your mouth, as, as though Aaron was your mouth. The, you know, the mouth that you say you can't, you can't speak from, I will put Aaron so that he can be your mouth as, and, and as if you were God to him, but take the staff in your hand so that you can perform the signs with it. And so God says, okay, you think you can't do this. Let me put someone in your life who can help you walk through it with you. Praise God for Aaron. And what can happen sometimes in life is that pride can start to step in. Pride can step in and it can get us. So, so pride starts to happen when we try to do something alone. And again, maybe you're trying to do something alone. I certainly have tried to do stuff alone. And that, that, that I will own it, that it can be a prideful thing. It's like, I don't need help. I can figure it out. Or it's all about me, God, and, and I can't do it. Um, pride will start to, 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 to step into our life. And all of a sudden, we're like, I'm gonna, just going to do this by myself. Um, pride can also um, come from seeking personal glory. I, I thought about this in terms of Aaron. It's like, Aaron's like this peripheral character. And, and God's saying, no, I want to use you, Aaron, to be a blessing to Moses. And I want you to be his voice. And I thought about how easy it would be for Aaron to be like, ah, I'm not just a mouthpiece. Are you kidding me? I'm, I, I, I want to be something else. And, and, and God's saying, no, Aaron, you know, a mouthpiece is what I'm calling you to be at this moment. And Moses could be like, man, like somewhere later on, he could be like, man, I don't want, if Aaron's the one speaking, I don't want him to get all the glory. And so all of a sudden we can have all of this pride start to come in. Where in your life is pride creeping in? And God's saying, no, just be a servant. Just do my mission and accomplish my will. Pride comes in when we are stingy with resources. When we're worried about our time or our, our personality, our talents, we get caught up in, in us. Um, it's intriguing to watch in the life of biblical characters, but also in our own lives, how alone we're a mess. And I'll own that. I don't know if you have to own it. I would ask you to own it. But alone, you're kind of a mess. Moses alone is a mess. Murdering people and <laughs> I don't know. And alone, Aaron is a mess. Like Aaron, he doesn't appear very much in, in, in Scripture, which is kind of interesting. He'll, 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 he'll become the priest, so he actually appears a little more than some of the other peripheral characters. Um, but when you watch Aaron alone, holy moly. Moses is up on the mountain getting the commandments from God, and, and the people are like, uh, Aaron, Aaron, uh, Moses has been on the mountain too long. You know, Moses hearing from God. And he's like, Aaron, we, we need to worship some other God. Let's take off all of our jewelry, melt it down and make a cow out of it. And let's all worship that. And Aaron's like, hmm, that seems like a really good idea. Let's do that. And so that's what they do. God had delivered them like, from, from slavery in Egypt. They'd plundered the Egyptians, carried all of their wealth. He had parted the Red Sea. And now all of a sudden, Aaron, I think it's because he's scared of the people. Says, all right. I guess we're worshiping cows now. You see, on our own, we're a mess. But together, together, when God is at work in our lives and we're listening to him and, and we have other people in our lives to tell us, no, you're actually being an idiot right now. I need those people, by the way. And my guess is you need those people right now. No, you're acting really stupid now, or this is a really bad decision now, or this is something good that you're doing, and, and, and we get the encouragement, because it's not all the negative either. Um, but we need other people in our lives, finally. Um, someone, someone needs your support. And God, show us who that someone is. 
Someone needs your support. Someone in your life right now needs your support. And a lot of it is, okay, who needs my support right now? There's this other character that pops up in Moses' story and becomes a pretty big figure. It's Joshua. And Joshua becomes this mighty warrior, which I find ironic because Moses has to keep telling him, be strong and courageous, which makes me, if you have to keep telling someone, be strong and courageous, chances are they might be fearful and not so courageous. And so, so but what's interesting is, is Joshua becomes a mighty warrior under Moses. And, and as they're going into the promised land, as they're working their way towards the promised land, um, Joshua has to be like the, the commander of, of the armies of God. And and he finds himself in all these predicaments. And so that's what happens in, in Exodus chapter 17, verses 8 through 13. This just interesting story. The Amalekites came and attacked the Israelites at Rephidim. So the Amalekites are coming. They're attacking the Israelites. Moses said to Joshua, choose some of our men and go, choose some of our men and go out to fight the Amalekites. Now listen to what happens. Tomorrow, he says, I will go stand on top of the hill with the staff of God in my hands. Now, I don't know what made him decide this, but Moses says, you guys go fight the battle, Joshua. I will go to the top of this hill with God's staff, with the staff, um, and, and I will raise it up on my head. So Joshua fought the Amalekites as Moses had ordered, and Moses, Aaron, and Hur went to the top of the hill. Now, as long as Moses held up his hands, the Israelites were winning. But whenever he lowered his hands, um, the Amalekites were winning. And you're like, what? What is going on here? Like, like, what? like a switch. Moses' hand goes up. Battle starts to be won. Moses' hands go down. Amalekites start to win. What do you want to do? Like, if you're the Israelites, you want Moses' hand to stay up? What is Moses? Moses is just a human being whose arms get tired. And so you got this predicament. What a strange story, by the way. What a strange story. And so you get this predicament. The predicament is, how do we keep Moses' hands up? And so this is what happens. When Moses' hands grew tired, they took a stone under it and put it under him, and he sat on it. And Aaron and Hur held his hands up, one on one side, one on the other side. So his hands remained steady till sunset. So Joshua overcame the Amalekite army with the sword. What's the truth? There are many times in our lives when the battle is getting the best of us, life is getting the best of us, and we need someone there to hold up our hands. And without them, like, the hands go down and the weakness comes. That's why I'm convinced we need people in our lives. But to flip it, because sometimes we look at that of, I need someone to hold up my hands. The flip side is, is there's probably people in our lives right now who need someone in their armpit right now holding up their hands. And I say that on purpose, the armpit side, because it's not necessarily the most beautiful place to be. But it seemed to help the battle be won. And so there's this beautiful part of being the Aaron that God might be calling us to be. It's like, God, show me someone that, show me someone that is struggling right now and help me to come and, and hold up their arms with them. Show me someone who's struggling and I, I can come and, 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 and help them sit down and find other people who can raise them up in a moment so that you can lead them through victory. As I was thinking about rodeo clowns, I feel strange saying this. I don't even know how to say it properly or appropriately, but when, when I think of the ultimate rodeo clown, I do think of Jesus, which, forgive me, Lord, if I'm not supposed to say that, but think about this, like, he entered the ring when the bull was facing us. 
he entered the ring when our lives were falling apart and it looks like, oh man, we could die. And he jumped in the way. And what's interesting is Jesus, Jesus, and again, I don't know how to say this appropriately, but it seems as though in some ways he became the peripheral character. If God were to come to earth, you'd expect us that we would serve him, that, that he would become center stage. But Jesus will come and he'll say, I didn't come to serve. I mean, I didn't come to be served. I came to serve and to give my life as a ransom for many. I came to step in the way. I came to step in the ring to bring salvation. And, and so Jesus will come and he'll wash his disciples' feet. And, and, and Peter's like, this doesn't make sense. You're not a peripheral foot-washing character, Jesus. You are supposed to be center stage. No, you will never wash my feet. And yet Jesus says, this is exactly what I'm kind of called to do. And then he says this. If this is what I have done for you, if I'm willing to become this, again, I don't know how to say this right, but if I'm willing to become this, this side character, if I'm willing to become less for your sake, your God washing your feet, then why do you think that you are not called to wash the feet of others. And so Jesus, in him we get to see this beautiful picture of grace, of grace and one who's willing to step in. And so every Sunday we gather communion, we have communion together, and it's this reminder of the one who stepped in the ring for us. You have a God who stepped in the ring for you. You have a God who met you, who meets you, at your worst sometimes, when life is coming at you, and he says, I hope you hold up your arms I hope give you strength. And so we take it to our king. He takes the juice and he says, whenever you do this, do this in remembrance of me. And we get to do this to, to the one who stepped in the ring for us and to praise him. So we do it to our king. Would you all stand with me? Maybe you're here today and you need prayer. Maybe you need to talk to another human being and share with them some of the struggles that you're going through. When God gives a gift, he wraps it in people. And so Tammy and Luke will be down here, and if there's a way we can be praying together with you, we would love to do that. And again, maybe today's the day that you want to step into a relationship with Jesus and be baptized into him. That invitation is, is here as well. Um, but I'm going to pray. Lord, I thank you for today, and Lord, I pray for the people that you bring to our minds or have brought to our minds in the midst of this. Lord, help it to be less about us and more about you and your mission. Lord, help us to not worry about being center stage but simply to be people who see people in need and are willing to step in. Lord, thank you for stepping in for us. It's your name we pray. Amen.
it is Jesus that breaks every stronghold. We've seen how he lights up our darkest places, yeah? And as a people that is praying for one person to share God's love with, I think very confidently and joyfully we can declare and speak the name of Jesus over the lives of our wants. So maybe we do just that. Let's hear each other just declare this good purpose that we have. We just want to speak the name of Jesus over every heart and every mind. Because we know there is peace within your presence. We speak Jesus. Your name. darkness over every enemy. Jesus, for our families, we speak the holy name of Jesus. Shout, shout Jesus from the mountains, Jesus in the streets, Jesus in the darkness over every for our families we speak the holy name of Jesus know that you are with us as we go from this place, as we speak the name of Jesus over the lives of our ones. We thank you in Jesus' name. Have a great night, my friends.